I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's the My First Gig Podcast. Whoa. Sharing stories of first gigs and shows. Hey and welcome to My First Gig with Dwayne Dugan. Welcome back. Episode 2, Season 3. We made it. You know? Is this episode 20 or is it episode 19? I think this is episode 20. Oh my god. Three seasons to get to episode 20. That's pretty embarrassing, isn't it? But we're here. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for coming to check out today's wonderful guest, Alison Spittle. It's been a... It's been a weird start to this whole podcast and I just mean like the series in general I kind of stayed away from interviewing Irish acts I think the only Irish acts I had on were Catherine Bohart and Ardle Hanlon Ardle when I interviewed him was episode two was the day I met him maybe I met him once before but it was the first time I ever worked with him and it was like right grab him before you ever get to gig with him again thankfully uh cherry comedy wins if you're in dublin boom uh he has he has come to a lot i've gave him in other places around dublin now as uh as he kind of he does a lot more in the scene now when he's trying out stuff which is really nice to have someone of his caliber come and you know come on shows alongside people of uh say my experience level which is you know it's always a treat catherine i had i'd gigged with catherine in the uk but we had never I don't even think we'd ever spoken or anything like that. Um, maybe online or something like that on Twitter or something. But I stayed away from the Irish acts, and I think it was more because I just wanted something a bit, something a bit exotic, do you know. And that was probably wrong of me because there are so many fantastic Irish acts, and one of my favorite is, of course, Alison. So I'm glad to be kicking off the second episode i said it wrong but i'm glad to be at the at the head end of this season kicking off with uh, a fantastic act like allison her story is a fun one we get into it at the start i've known allison for many years now kind of uh, at a certain point in her journey and seen what she's done since so to hear how it all began was a lot of fun I'm also going to be interviewing many Irish comedians every every month on patreon.com slash myfirstgigpod. They're going to be our bonus episodes. I'm going to interview friends, colleagues, comedians around the scene who may not have as wide a reach of a name, but have just as fun as a story to tell. There's so many great comedians who, for whatever reason, may not... May not just have you know that 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 the name value in the UK and abroad, and it's really such a shame because you look over the last thirty years, 
some of the best comedians have come out of this country and I know telly had a big thing to do with it and it's kind of created another barrier to break through. But, you know, if I named my 10 favourite comedians, a lot, a lot of them would be Irish and you may not have heard of. And yet they're here. They're selling out the biggest rooms here. They're selling out tours here. You know, it's I just I find it so mad that there's... I obviously we watch a lot of English television. We get a lot of their media. So when English acts come here, we it you know it carries over. I wish there was more of a two way street that way because, you know, you think of Irish people, it's it's gone. It's it's like a, a cliche that we're a bit of the crack. We're up for fun. We're a big laugh. But like, you look at the nineties, the comedians that went from Ireland. You you know we mentioned Ireland Hannan already. You had people like Sean Hughes, Dylan Moore, and Tommy Tiernan. You know. Later years, then Darrow Breen. Darrow Breen's like a staple of the UK comedy scene. Like, I see him written as a British comedian more than an Irish comedian. Which, uh, look, we'll get into that another time. All right, lads. Thank you if you joined last week for Joe Lysett. Really, really enjoyed that chat. It was a lot of fun and great to put out in video form. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see me right now, but the interview today will not be in video form. We just didn't have the opportunity when I sat down with Alison at Cherry Comedy in Wheels just after the Kilkenny Cat Last Festival in June of this year. If you are watching on YouTube, we have a different background now. It's a different scene. It's half past two in the morning. I've just moved into this house. Big thing. Got a house. My God. And that's thanks to all of your very generous Patreon subscribers. That's a joke. Look, I love all of the people who have subscribed on Patreon. But if we get to the level where I can buy a house based on what you give me each month, then I won't be wearing any clothes in these video intros. So what are you waiting for? Get on at patreon.com slash myfirstgigpod. You get episodes ad-free. You get them early. You get extended. If you're listening to this on Monday, you're getting an extended episode ad-free. Do you know what I mean? Regular folk. Yeah, I'm calling you regular folk. Aren't going to get it till Wednesday. There's going to be ads. And you're missing out questions. Fun questions. Especially today, Alison gives a hilarious story about an interaction she had with a fellow Irish comedian when Alison wasn't yet a comedian and she has never told that story to the comedian who we both know well doesn't that sound juicy does it should i say something like oh find out who had sex with who we don't mention sex i'm afraid but guys get on the patreon get ad free get early tell your friends if not look it's free every week hope you enjoy it for free if you do enjoy it for free and you want to kick back but you can't monetarily then just retweet it, share it, tell your friends. You know, word of mouth is key in getting this back off the ground after two years out. And I ain't going nowhere. But it's nice. As I said, yeah, uh, bought a house. What's that about? Like, I'm sitting here. It's a really weird setting. Got a wall. That's my wall. You can see part of the door there if you're watching. I own that as well. We're in the sitting room slash temporary office. 
you can't see this, but you're actually, if you're watching, you still can't see it. But if you're listening, the camera is resting on a tripod on the side of an IKEA box of wine glasses that is on top of a mattress on a bed in the middle of the sitting room. The only other things in the sitting room is an umbrella and a fridge. Fridge doesn't fit in the kitchen, all right? I'm here, I'm holding the mic stand because I don't have enough depth in the bed to place it there and also be in frame. So it's a professional setup and that's actually what I'm saying. Never mind getting me topless. Let's get me a desk. Patreon.com slash myfirstgeekpod. Get ad-free, early access, extended and bonus interviews with members of the Irish comedy scene. It's been a mad week, not just with the house. I don't know if you know, but I'm in a bit of a celebrity couple. No, I'm joking, but my girlfriend is a fantastic comedian. Fiona Frawley is her name, and she was uh, the support this week for not just Alan Carr, but also Doug Stanhope. Um, She did Alan Carr's tour support in Ireland, and then Doug Stanhope's Dublin date. And it's half two in the morning after the Doug Stanhope date. He gigged earlier tonight. And I'm a bit locked. And it's half two. And it's a bit late. But I have to get this out for 6am. So I kind of wish that some of you didn't subscribe on Patreon. Because then I just pretend and backdate it. But uh, we do. After after one episode there is there. Subscribers. So join them. You won't be the first. You won't be the last. You might be the last, but you won't be the first. So look, there's a train coming. You don't need no ticket, you just get on board. But buy a ticket, please. But yeah, a couple of fun nights. We were uh, we were chatting with, with Doug Stanhope after the show, and he gave us a bottle of vodka, which is very nice. Now, admittedly, 80% of it was drank by him on stage. And I'm looking at being like... It didn't look like he was drinking that much, or else he was getting refills from somewhere else. If you've seen him, he always likes a drink. But it was almost a bit sus- like suspicious. Where did all the drink come from? Because it was always drinking. But I never saw no one give him a new glass or refilling. And then sure, we look at the bottle afterwards. 80% of a litre bottle of vodka gone. Fair play to you. I have two pints before a gig, and I fall off the stage. Actually did. I was, uh, not the stage, but the other night... Uh, Fiona was on uh, the Olympia Theatre in Dublin, if you're familiar. And I'm sneaking out. I went to a gig of another comedian here in Dublin. Shane Clifford was doing his show, All Class, in the Workman's. Fantastic show. It was great to catch that while in town. And there is more Irish dates. Not Dublin, but more Irish dates. And sure, maybe there might be a sneaky Dublin date next year. You never know. And so I'm... I've got a bit of a pep in my step and I run out the door and I take a, a wobbler right onto the side street of the Olympia Theatre, onto the cobblestones, face plant, knee plant, leg plant, egg plant, every bit of it all in the street and there was two workers from the pub across the way having a cigarette break and the two of them had to come over and lift me up and they started like pulling on my leg and pulling on my ankle and being like, does this hurt? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure... This is not your job. I don't think hospital workers take fag breaks in alleyways at 10pm at night. Nowhere near hospitals or sirens. 
boss they got me back on my feet uh with i looked at my knees afterwards i wanted like grazes or scratches it killed my ankle hurt for two days i wanted some physical proof all i had was the void where my dignity used to be but we uh yeah we get on with it and today yeah today's chat alison spittle it's a fun chat uh, I won't talk too much about it because it's a bit of a longer one. We had a fun time going over everything. And, yeah, Alison's just fun. She was in a good mood. We were hanging out at the Cat Laughs Festival that weekend, having a few drinks, a little after party. We make reference to Alison dancing with a chair. If you follow her on social media, I'm sure you've seen that. Uh, it was a fun night, fun weekend. A great way to wrap it off was with this chat. So, look... Don't let me get in the way. Follow online, whatever you go. Search my first gig with Dwayne Dugan. Usually at my first gig pod, but it may differ depending on where you go. YouTube.com, my first gig pod, and most importantly, because I want the money. Patreon.com forward slash my first gig pod. You know, Papa's gonna eat. Is a sentence that I'll never say again, and certainly one that I didn't think I'd be saying. As I was about to introduce Alison Spittle. So guys, sit back, relax. Listen to my first gig, season three, episode two. With the wonderful and the amazing Alison Spittle. I was saying this to somebody the other day about... The early days of cherry comedy, we actually set a rule yeah. that we wouldn't approach people for gigs, and indirectly, it was you that started that rule. Really? Because I remember reading an interview with you in the paper at the time. Yeah. And you said they were like, "Oh, what would be your next dream?" And you say you'd love to play Whedon's one day. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah. it was like two weeks later. Then I think I got talking to you somewhere, and you were like, "Oh yeah, I'd love to come down sometime." And like I was like, oh. "I was like, I remember texting that has been like, oh my god, oh my god, really? guys, guys." It was like, "That's it." Unless anybody expresses interest, we, we was like, we're not, we're not reaching out to anybody. And then that lasted like a year. And then there was like a load of people who was like, oh, fuck, we wish we had other people on the show as well. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I remember that. It's, it's funny looking back that like, yeah, when I met you, yeah. your, your dream was just to play Whedon's one time. Yeah. And now it's been like years later and it's yeah. TV shows, Vicar Streets, tours, huge podcasts on the BBC. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, Oh, thank you. When you look at it from just now and then, and it's not a long time. No, It's a no. lot of stuff in a, in a short space of time. With a pandemic in the middle of it. <laughs> I think, like, uh, I just, uh, well, I really like the venue, Whelan's. And uh, I kind of, like, I'm not a really a big picture person. Yeah. I'm more of a kind of, like, that looks fun. I'd like to do that next or whatever. And then do it. And it's, I have this, like, I think a lot of comedians uh, and people in general have this, like, weird kind of like uh push pull love hate thing with like you have confidence in yourself enough to do comedy but also you hate yourself enough to do comedy kind of thing yeah i like and um like uh i love hearing about people's like daydreams of what they would like to do and i think it's not embarrassing to have daydreams but sometimes i think it's embarrassing to have ambition yeah in a way i think certainly in this country yeah yeah and i can't get over that like it's yeah it's i call called arrogant ones for having ambition 
Really? It was like, why aren't you just happy with the straight and narrow, whatever comes your way kind of a yeah. thing? I am. Um, and also, like, I've definitely balked, I'd say. I have balked at people. Is balked the right word? Like, B-A-L-T-D. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like, when people have ambition, sometimes I'm like, what's up with them? Genuinely. Oh, it works two ways. Yeah. It's like, I'll go, Come on, of course, believe in yourself, you should. And then if somebody does, I'm like, who the fuck do they It's there? mad, isn't it? Yeah. So like, and I think that's actually hindered, uh, hindered definitely like my career and hindered like my uh, human interpersonal interactions with people and stuff. And like, I wish I, I wish I didn't hold those weird kind of like arbitrary like this is cool and this is not cool or this you know you're too ambitious or whatever when yeah it's just a person how would you think it like i can understand how it affect like interpersonal things because it's like it's it's hard then not to get over stuff when like you could be talking to somebody or whatever yeah yeah, yeah how would you say it got in the way of your career because like if you have that attitude about other people then you're gonna have that attitude about yourself oh, right and you're gonna go am i gonna be embarrassed would i would i look at what i'm doing now in another person and judge them for it and it's definitely been things where I've not tried hard to, you know, do stuff. Like, I kind of wish, I kind of wish I wasn't Irish in yeah. a way. Do you know? Uh, but I am. So it's hard. Yeah. I, if I, I can't give you, like, exact. Sure, no, sure. You know what I mean? When I said the stuff at the start about what you've accomplished over the last couple of years. Yeah. Was that? Was that a bit embarrassing? Yeah, it was. But it's yeah. isn't that wild? Yeah, and and but I've learned, I've learned not to go because what I've done sometimes is if someone pays me a compliment, then I'll go no. Well, actually, I'm yeah. a real bad person this way, and then I'll tell you, and a lot of my comedy probably comes from going like, uh, you know, I'm doing comedy, I like it, but y- you shouldn't trust me. I'm. I like violence and stuff or whatever. Oh, so it like, like I, I literally had this yesterday. So it was uh, with a friend of ours, Aiden Green, his wife, Kelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So met her. She gave me a little compliment. Yeah. And then I said something. She goes, what are you doing? I'm like, I was also like, I had to go, I'm not, like she knows, knows obviously. I'm like, oh, I'm Irish. I have to shut down your compliment because I, yeah. I'm embarrassed you said something nice about me. Don't, yeah. do, don't do that in front of me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do it online when I can retweet it privately. I know, I know. Yeah. That's a big thing, uh, but it's it yeah it's it's hard in that regard. You you need an American sometimes to yeah reflect your the, behavior. The, over, back the overconfidence at you. to bring us up to ground level. Yeah 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 yeah. Well yeah, so uh, let's before we go ahead and talk about your first gig, which I'm oh, excited yeah. to hear about. Cause, yeah, because yeah, I I guess yeah I would met you in like 2015. Yeah, was it Jesus? How far into comedy would you've been then? Oh Lord, I am 33. And I started comedy in my second year of college, I think. Yeah. So, and I was 19 leaving school. Uh, 19 in September. Sorry about this. <laughs> it's such a long way of going about it. I think I was 21. So was we're I? talking like maybe if it was 12 years ago. So you've been maybe about four or five years in at that point. Yeah. So that's yeah. It. So yeah, that's four or five years where it's like, so I have no idea about it. So I'm excited yeah. to find out now. But yeah. I want to go way, way, way back. Yes. If I say to you, what's your first memory of comedy? What what comes to mind? Coming to America, the Eddie Murphy film. Yeah. It was a VHS that my uncle had that was in my granny's house in uh, in London. 
and I was uh, an only grandchild. No, no, no. I, I was a, I was the eldest grandchild, and uh, they had no like Little Mermaid VHSs or anything like that. So they would give me like the most appropriate video that they had in the house, <laughs> which was coming to America. And also, I watched uh, what was it? The one with the three boobs in it. Total Recall. Love that film. I'd say those two films have definitely made me a, as a person. It sounds like one of those wasn't child friendly now that you're saying. Or child appropriate. No, it wasn't. But it was, yeah, but that wasn't. And, 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 you know, coming to America isn't that child appropriate either. You know, the royal penis is now clean. Uh, I love that film. I love Eddie Murphy. I think he's great. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I just adored that film. Thought it was hilarious. I had the opportunity. Now this sounds, it is not a brag, um, but it everything when everything's a feckin' brag when you go. I had the opportunity to, <laughs> um, I I was doing it. I at the IFI, the Irish Film Institute, asked me. Uh, they were doing a course on comedy on comedic films. They asked me to make a presentation on a comedic film that I love, and I picked first off Mean Girls. And they said, it's a bit too available. You know, it's we would worry that people would come because it was like so recent. Right. So then I picked uh, Bridesmaids and they were like, that's the same problem with that. They're, those are my two favorite films of all time. And then, uh, right, I was like thinking, I was like, all right, coming to America. Pick coming to America, which is my third favorite film. And I showed the film said what i liked about it like it was written by snl writers it's an i think myself that's an incredible film it's a film made of little sketches essentially that's all linked with this one story and it's a real it's real bombastic john landis directed it who uh is responsible for the death of two people in the in the film the twilight zone but also, it's a very good director. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, and uh, it looks Paul, like it balances out. It does. It does balance <laughs> out. Uh, Paul Abdul did like uh, choreography. Your man Nile Rogers did the composing. Yeah, I love it. It's the eighties. It's very and it came out the year I was born. Um, and I love the film. I think it's great. I think it's real social commentary and all this stuff. Well, what's funny is I'd never seen that film until it was your co-video party during the really? lockdown. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Now, you watched it, yeah. I bet you 10 quid, me talking about it this way, you're like, it was a grant. It was a grant To film. be honest, I am dreadful with films. If I saw yeah. a film this morning and you were talking about it now, I'd be like, Jesus, I didn't see any of this. Yeah, no, that's cool. I retain that's no information. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. Fiona liking it, so it's like, yeah, that kind of... That, <laughs> So I I go ah oh yeah it must have been good then that, 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 so that's all my memory of it yeah yeah like uh, there, there's problems with it like uh, and I watched coming to America which is the uh, the you know the the sequel to it and that was wonderful it's not a great film anyway, it's <laughs> terrible but Jesus it was wonderful to see all of the crew back together yeah and they, they, yeah so yeah I really loved that film showed the film at the iFi. Asked if anyone had any questions, someone popped up their hand. That was the worst film I've ever seen in my life. And uh, so I was like, yeah, you know what, fair enough. You've, and you have an opinion on that. Like, so, I, do you like Mean Girls? Oh, man. Because <laughs> if, if I got to show Mean Girls, like Mean Girls is written by, you know, Tina Fey, Tina Fey SNL. Yeah. I think uh, I love a comedic film written by people that write sketch. Yeah. Because uh, I think 
comedies written by um script writers like um i uh, films for me especially comedy films they always lose the run of themselves for the last half an hour they're always like oh they have to tie up everything and the fun is in the bits where everything has fallen down around a person yeah so it's almost thinking about comedy second yeah like can you like mrs doubtfire like uh one of the scenes that is very memorable is being in the restaurant, getting the CPR or the what the Heimlich maneuver, you know, the bit of food coming out. That's a low point because, you know, he becomes revealed as the father. But like, then you have to tie it all up. I don't remember him making peace with his kids or his ex wife. I'm sure that happened. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you anything from the end of Mrs. Doubtfire. Great film. But with all comedic films, not all of them, there's a few exceptions, the last 20 minutes is just dog shit. Because you, 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 have, you have these rules within films that you have to, you have your third act. And uh, the only film, the only film to like have a funnier third act than the first two acts, and it's a, it's a film I'm in, so, but it's a film called um, Extraordinary, and I was in it for two seconds, so I don't, if I wish I wasn't in it, because I would tell you it's the best Irish film that came out in the, years. Yeah. I love it so much. And like the last third act, the, the, the last act of that film is like hilarious. And uh, yeah, that's that's what I admire. It's kind of like, uh, uh, I just really admire funny films, you know? And uh, what do you think of like structure? Like, <clears throat> I, I, I'm a very face value guy a lot of the time. Yeah. So, so structure can be lost on me. Well, I, when I, when I was preparing for Edinburgh in Ireland, because there's not a big culture of, um, uh, there's not a big culture of getting to do hour-long shows. You have to kind of, like, there's not, the population isn't big enough, and I'm not popular enough to, like, do, uh, to make people pay for an hour of stuff that's not really that tested, you know? So you're working in the clubs and you're trying to get your bits together. Like, last week, I did a Dublin show, and I was doing the last 20 minutes of my hour. Now, is that strong club? Would that be stuff that I would be proud of and go, that's a club set? No, but I have to get it done. Yeah, almost like in blocks. In blocks, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, uh, so with uh, with doing Irish comedy, sorry, we're preparing for comedy in Ireland for Edinburgh. It was a whole different ball game. Now I live in England and now I'm doing like a preview every week. Um. You know, I can tell that the show is better than any show I've ever done before. Well, just just put the opportunity to be able to roll it out like that. Yeah. Well, you see, yeah. like, people going out at, like, 6 p.m. doing previews in London and then yeah. doing, like, all throughout the week. And it's just like, English comedians have asked about that here. Can we do a show before the show? And it's like, you'd be doing it on your own. The, yeah. The culture just doesn't do that, unfortunately. No, we don't, our population is big enough. Yeah. Do you know, it's grand. It's not like, I don't think, I, I think there's, do I think uh, British comedy is better than Irish comedy? No. Not a whole, like you know, if you if you looked at it like per person or whatever, I I do think like um, Irish comedy is as good if not better, but there are more, there are more good people doing comedy in Britain. Yeah, than in Ireland just as there should be. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. By, but just by numbers alone. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. 
Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, so speaking of live comedy then, if that was your first memory of comedy uh, coming to America, do you remember what your first memory of live comedy is? Like being in the room. Uh, like whether it was like just discovering the stand-up, I guess. Whether it's um, on the telly in a room. So- Stand up wise, Eddie Murphy Raw. Yeah. I watched that when I was young. I'd say I was like about thirteen. Uh but Would I that been from liking coming to America? That was it. Yeah. It was just like another Eddie Murphy film to me. Uh I had no interest in seeking out other stand up comedy sure. after that. It wasn't a thing. I saw a Tommy Turning DVD playing in the background of a house party on mute uh when I was a teenager. And that was my only experience of stand-up comedy before I did stand-up comedy. You'd never gone to see it? No. No. So, no. So yeah, if you were saying, like, you've seen Raw, you've not checked out more. No. But you remembered seeing that in the background. I did. Was it something, did something pique your interest, or just is it just a random memory stuck? It was a memory because I was like, this is, to God's honest, I was like, what's the point of having the stand-up DVD on if you can't hear the jokes? Yeah. Like, he's just done... You know, my friend is shifting a fella beside me and I'm just staring at a at Tommy Turner walking up and down a stage while while, you know, like dance music is on. You know, it's on mute, but there's music on in the background and I'm just I was thinking it's not really a party vibe, you know, to have someone tell jokes. So before you try, you don't go to any clubs? No. You don't watch Paramount comedy half hours or anything that are on the telly at the time? I didn't have Sky. Yeah. And I didn't have, I watched um, Buzzcocks, never mind the yeah. Buzzcocks. I watched Have I Got News For You and I watched the panel. So these are all stand-up comedians, but in, in a different yeah, form. But yeah, but in a different form. Naked Camera, yeah. I think. Yeah, stuff like, Blizzard of Ad was my favourite of all of that. The Colin Murphy uh, vehicle where he would show videos and stuff. I thought that was the best thing that so RT would made. So there's keen interest in comedy. Yeah. Certainly, yeah, you mentioned the panel, the business of odd Irish comedy then, and obviously the yeah. more wider UK ones. So, but no stand-up. So, no stand-up. So, so I guess, yeah, what, how did you end up on a stage? Um, well, I was I was in college in Ballyfermot, College of Further Education. It's a, it's a lovely third-level institute behind the Tesco, and I'm very proud of going there. I love it. And um, I had to go get work experience in radio because I was uh, studying radio. And I did work experience in a place called I-105-107. And uh, I I was there for a week. And on the second day, I was chatting to a guy who I was shadowing. He was like a DJ called Simon Murdoch. We'd just be chatting during the songs. And we were chatting and he goes, uh, I was chatting about soaps. And he said, do you want to go in the next segment and talk about soaps? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did that. I was chatting away to him. And then um, actually Keith Walsh, who's doing the gig tonight, he's a breakfast DJ. He popped his head in 
and said, Alison, do you want to come in earlier tomorrow and come on the breakfast show and talk? And I was like, yeah, yeah, no bother. So my mom gave me a lift in like an hour earlier to go on the breakfast show. And I was just talking about my week or whatever. And then they brought me in for a meeting then. And they said, uh, do you have any days off during the week? Like, and I was like, yeah, I don't have college on a Friday. They're like, why don't you come in and do uh, like a segment on the breakfast show and you can get a bit of work experience, you know. So I did that for two years uh, doing that. And Bernard O'Shea was the other DJ. And like one time during the show, we would, it was very loosey-goosey. Oh, Jesus, the show was mad. Like there was a segment where Bernard, because <laughs> Bernard lived in Dublin and would drive to Atlone. And he would look at a house on the side of the motorway and he imagined what was in that house and who lived in that house. And like he would improvise a soap opera and then people would be texting and going, what happens next? What happens next? And uh, so it was that kind of thing. And one day he challenged Keith and I to do stand up comedy and he got us a gig. It was supporting PJ Gallagher in, uh, in uh, it was in Portlaoise. And uh, Keith Walsh gave me a lift down and Bernard told me, write five minutes, put your best joke last, your second best joke first and whatever you want in the middle. I was like, okay, cool. And then I'd be walking around talking to people in the in the radio station going, have you seen like stand up? And like uh, one woman was like, uh, yeah, I've seen stand up. And like there was a guy who went on, he did like pedophile and suicide jokes and it really lost the crowd. So like I, I would recommend you don't do that. So then my first joke on in Portlaoise was uh, I've been told uh, it's my first time doing stand up comedy. I've been advised not to do any pedophile or suicide jokes, which brings me around to my first uh, joke when Gary Clayter came around to my house and put a pencil up each nostril and slammed his face off my dining room table, um, which was a uh, and I said something which ruined a confirmation. It was some sort of thing. It's not the best joke, but it got laughs because I'm I'm twenty one and I'm tiny, curly hair, you know, fat, just like innocent looking. Do you know what I mean? And I would say this like hyper violent thing. And then the rest of it was like just anecdotes about my granny's drinking problem. And I remember I only did the gig because I wanted to meet PJ Gallagher off off of that show. Like a camera, yeah. Yeah. And then like uh, I did it and I I, I did. I didn't feel nervous about it because it wasn't a thing. I had any interest in ever. Well, that, that's doing. what I was going to say here, because like between going on the radio and doing yeah. this, the one thing you're going to go, I was asked to do this. I did this. I yeah. did that. I did that. There seems to be no like hesitation in you. Was was there, mm. or, or is that just kind of a, a quick way? Like, cause like I can imagine any, especially the way Ireland is. Yeah. Oh, would you go and talk on the radio? Like, oh my God, no, I couldn't. You know. Like, oh yeah, no issue with that. Just. I've, I never had embarrassment really that much when I was younger. Were you like a performer in the house or a show off or any of that kind of thing or like a joker or a messer? Yeah, I, I, I. My cousin Anthony is like nine months younger than me. And we had this, and I mean, um, this family are like our family friends for ages, and they still are. Um, but they had like the latest PlayStations, a room full of Barbies. They were incredible. They were lovely people as well. But there was, so, and I knew that I could make them laugh, and Auntie could make them laugh as well. And I think I found myself like in competition with him, trying to make them laugh more than him. 
because I just wanted to stay at their house longer because they had stuff. Yeah. And I didn't have stuff. And else they were good crack. But it definitely was a thing of like, I do remember like standing in the sitting room and kind of like telling stories to their older sisters and stuff. And just, I remember once I made, I made uh, her second oldest sister like get sick because she was laughing. And it was just a story about me shifting someone. But it was like really embarrassing. And uh, that was good crack. So that there, like that tells you out there, yeah, if it's like a, an embarrassing story, but you've no problem telling it and like yeah. showcasing it. Yeah. I've never, because I, cause I grew up in a village and like the village is lovely, but there's a big element of shame in, involved in stuff. Yeah. And I found my best weapon for, like, and I grew up in like in a council estate and like, you know, I couldn't fight well or anything like that, but I definitely became very like, you either you either got bullied and worried about it, do you know what I mean? Or you would just not let anyone ever make you feel bad. Shrug it by off. By just like, going like, yeah, I did that, I don't care. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, and I would dress the way I wanted to. And also because the village was so small, like it wasn't like you get to choose what type of friends you have. Yeah. It's not like it's not like Dublin where you can go to the central bank and go, You like the same genre of music as me, we're it's, gonna hang out. Who's who's the same age in this town? Who's the same age and who smokes fags? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I just used to smoke fags and uh and like the Smiths and like all the stuff I liked. But um you know, and and like your friends don't give a shit in the end. And that then when other people are like weird of you, they're like Never lunch, Grant. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think I had that with stuff. I am. Um, I think I have this thing of like, uh, it's annoying. I definitely am up for doing stuff all the time. Or yeah. I do stuff because I kind of don't give a shit. But I wish I wish I utilized that better. Do you know? Like in my version of not giving a shit is like picking up a chair and like dancing with it and stuff. As I when, saw you do last as night. As I saw you do last night. <laughs> when it should be like talking to someone who could help my career. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh. And treating them like a human being. Like I can't treat well, anyone. Well, like I, sa- a, I sat in the corner last night and I looked over and I, I was thinking, on, I wish I wasn't sitting in the corner. I wish I was over there dancing with a chair. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it looked good. Oh, it was good crack. But it's like, uh, yeah, it was good crack. But, but like, yeah, sorry. All of these things now, so... Like having a bit of a performer, like kind of like liking getting laughs, you know, when yeah. you're younger, uh, kind of having, you know, shrugging off any like shame that you're like society wise meant to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just like being up for doing whatever. Yeah, because I, I was a fat girl who liked Morrissey. But that like, sounds like a unbreakable or an invincible package to then perfect to go up and try stand up. Because people always say, oh, it's the, you know, the, the nerves and the fear and the all that. It's like if you can just roll up and you've all that. Yeah. Like, I'm not surprised that you ended up in Port Leash. I'm guessing what's this? If you're saying like 11, 12 years ago. Yeah. PJ's a big star. It's it's probably a yeah busy room. Yeah. A lot on the line for him almost. And you know how I got into wanting to be on radio was I was on so two FM. I texted Rick O'Shea used to have an evening show where he would ask questions and people would text in their answers. Yeah. And I texted in an answer and it was actually um like what was your favorite what was your favorite character played by multiple actors? 
And I said soaps start children. And I typed it in and I go, because once children grow up in soaps, yeah. it feels like they, there's, a nuclear, there's a nuclear disaster where they get abs or some shit. I was being like funny or whatever. And then they rang me up like 10 minutes after and like do you want to come on air and talk about that with ricochet i was like oh yeah 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 i'll do that of course and then i walked into the the basketball court of my estate because it's the only place you can get reception and i was chatting away to him. my friends are like sitting in the sitting room because fuck all happens to us yeah. you know what i mean i was really excited they were in the sitting room like listening to the radio and i was out in the basketball court talking and then i got a text and this is i'm 15 right and they text me then they're like do you want to come and review films for us and I was like, yeah, yeah, no matter. So they used to send me a little checkout in the post. I used to go watch films in the cinema. Um, and then on a Wednesday during Double German, I would ask to go to the toilet at like a quarter past two or something like that. And then I'd wait for 2FM to phone me and I'd review films in the bathroom. Like I'd be reviewing. Then I'd go back in and, and then the teacher was like, you're leaving every week <laughs> to do what you do and i was like oh sorry i was going on the radio and they're like what and uh so <laughs> it was mad and like uh yeah they brought me up to dublin once to like uh review christmas singles as well and i got into like i was 15 i had these strong opinions with stuff i would debate people and everything and i brought up my friend rosie with me and we, we got we got we got naked camera signed dvds yeah <laughs> as like a package and and then i lost my phone and oh, uh no. like uh never like two of them around like that never contacted them or me Do you know it was like a it was like a because well, that was the end of, the, end of the, that. the contact was purely that phone purely that phone Shit, and yeah. uh and then i was like do you know what i liked going on the radio i'd like to do that in college because i just really so so it's funny that you say that yeah bernard dared you or keith yeah, so Keith, we both did it. Oh, so Keith did do it because I know he's only, I know he's kind of starting out recently. Yeah, so yeah, he never. I don't think he did it after. I kept going. So that's funny now that he's here now tonight. Yeah, yeah, he'd be I, on just before you tonight. Actually, that's amazing. I did count like with uh, with the feeling of doing the anecdotes and getting laughs and like I was very nervous. I was very nervous directly before i went on stage because i was like well before we you go to yeah. get on stage like yeah so you, you've got the date now you're going to port leash you're you're opening in five minutes before pj got her yeah is it a private thing do you tell people is it a big hey everybody or oh no i don't tell anyone because like it's port leash and i live in westmead right it's very far away and also it wasn't a thing of like i was literally doing it I was doing it because I was asked to do it on the radio. So it's almost part it, of radio, this work experience. Radio was what I wanted. Yeah. Comedy did not come into it before that at all. It wasn't the thing. It wasn't the thing that I had seeked out. I had, I remember though. I do remember this with my mom. I watched uh, Life the Apollo with my mommy before I uh, before I did the gig, but after I'd been asked because I was like, I better, I better do some stuff, and I remember watching Shappy Corsandi and she was talking about uh, her upbringing and her identity and everything like that, you know? And uh, I was like, okay, I'll do that. So I was literally like just going with, you know, Shappy Corsandi, I think she's like Iranian. And I was like, well, I was born in England. That's an identity. So <laughs> It is though. Like, uh, like yeah. in Port Leash, certainly. In Port Leash. So I was kind of doing bits about that and uh, yeah, and then but any you'd yeah. nervous beforehand you're saying. i was nervous beforehand and the writing process was just um my little notebook 
and it was like there was no editing. Yeah, it was co- just well, it was just writing jokes. Yeah, you know, and kind of going up on stage and doing it. Is it just you and PJ, or does PJ have somebody else there as well? So it's me, PJ, Bernard. Bernard was oh, so MC. Tied in, obviously, yeah. Okay, yeah. Bernard's MC and Keith. Keith is on. I'm on. And then uh, PJ Gallagher's on. And so did you get to meet him beforehand? I did. Yeah, I got my picture so taken like, and put it up on Bebo. Oh, and, bollocks. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've achieved what I wanted. Exactly. That was it. I was done. Why do I have to go on stage now? Basically, yeah. Do you remember, like... Yeah, do you know why? Because I only got nervous about it after I met PJ Gallagher. Because I was like... Was it? I was like, ah, oh, cool. Met that fella off the telly. Great. Uh, never really met people off the telly before. Yeah. So I was like, ah, oh, cool. And then, uh, then I was like, oh, you should do this gig. So, yeah, I was... I was In front of the guy off the telly. And, yeah, and you, you sweat a different type of sweat. Like, that kind of, like, nerve sweat. Animalistic kind of, like, sweat that you can get. You know, so you you mentioned about the first joke. Do you have any other memories of being up there? Yeah, I remember like uh, I remember I had this bit about my gran. I was talking about my gran. I remember like the first laugh. Um, do you know? I remember the steps going up on the stage, and I remember, yeah, and I remember seeing like. Because this place uh, in Port Leash, it used to be like a really strong, I think it still is. I mean, it's unfair of me to go used to be. That's very unfair. Uh, but it was uh, PJ Cavanaugh's, it's na- or it's Cavanaugh's is the name of the place. And it had like a Flight of Concords, um, Flight of Concords poster. And I remember looking at that. And they were con- kind of getting big, the Flight of Concords. Oh, you put that in? Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I looked at that poster. I was like, oh, that's cool. They've played here. That's nice, you know. That's ah. what's blowing my mind now that they've played Kavanaugh's. Yeah, they've played Kavanaugh's and Party. She did a little tour. Wow. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? And like, so when you're when you're on stage, yeah, and you get that first laugh, you say that there, there was laughs from that. Yeah, I can't remember what it was, but it was enough to make me like the feeling I got uh, directly as I stepped off the stage after the gig. It was like a feeling of like I've never felt that feeling. Yeah. And I keep chasing it. And it's that kind of like massive adrenaline, massive adrenaline thing of everything is okay. Uh, Everything has gone well. I mean, I'd love to look at the gig if I could ever get a chance to look at it because I'd say it was shite. But to me, I was like, I am a comedy god. Is there a copy of it? No, No, I doubt it. I doubt it. But it was just like, I was just like, I don't think I've ever felt more powerful in my life than when I did that. And that person is not used to having power. You know, but so like, but like when you say that you've been chasing that since, yeah, like, like big big gigs or you know when you when you start gigging with like people that you like yeah. look up to, like, is is it a different feeling or not? Like, or is it still looking for some like? I did the Shri Arena, and I thought I would feel that same feeling that I had when I did Cabinet, and I didn't. It was still like a lot, but it wasn't that. You know, but is is it is that like is there a disappointment in the lack of the feeling, or is it you're you're fi- you're feeling something else, but it's just uh, just, just different. I would love to feel it again. Yeah, I know that, but I I I, uh, and I think I'm gonna keep telling myself that like, to have something to chase, like yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. like it's it's entirely possible that maybe you have felt it again. But just because it's for the second time, it's the like, awareness of it. Yes. It's like taking an ecstasy tablet. The first time you do it, you're like, this is overwhelming. This is incredible. 
I never expected that. You take another ecstasy tablet a few months later and you're like, great. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's never going to be the same. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't take ecstasy that regularly, by the way. <laughs> Audience people. <laughs> Guess the, the, the Irish star printed now. Um, when you come off stage, yeah, you have that feeling like... Do you know what you even do for the rest of the night? Oh Lord, I watched I watched PJ Geller and I watched So I think that was my first live stand up comedy was that was watching like people on before me. And so like yeah, so when you when you finish when you fin- when you finish that set, you watch the rest of it. Mm. Do you just go right, that's that task for the radio done? No, then it was like, I have to do this more. Almost immediately? Yeah, and it was like, then I got onto Bernard, and I was like, uh, how do I do other gigs? Yeah. And he... Because like, there's, there's no way to know. No, it, It's no. good that you had that access. Yeah, yeah, I'm very lucky. Like, I think I would have done stand-up comedy eventually. Yeah. But I probably have started it, like, now. It, yeah, until, I mean? until it was, like, it was accessible to even yeah. know how to start. Yeah, because it wasn't. And so he said... Here's a phone number. This is Tony Ferns. Text him uh, and tell him I recommended you. But you don't really need to tell Tony Ferns anyone recommends you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, and then he was like, and then Bernard goes, I mean, that's really all I can help you with. Uh, the other thing is if someone flashes you, uh, like get off stage. Uh, that's your time. I'm like, oh, cool. So those are the bits. And then he was like, there you go. And uh then I did Tony for I did I messaged Tony Ferns and I would get the bus up and down every time from Westmead to Dublin to go do gigs and uh I graduated um this is after I graduated from college I would live I was living in Westmead and then eventually I came home um uh to do more sorry to do more radio I was working for news talk right as a like a a broadcast assistant and the person in news talk said move up to dublin we'll give you more work and uh, you can be like a swing broadcast assistant for when people are sick i moved up incredible place 250 euro for a room so i was on the dole but i was on the part-time dole you know that type of thing and uh like i got i got i didn't get enough work off news talk eventually after about three months they stopped messaging me but i still could live on the dole in dublin uh because of this cheap flat that this well cheap accommodation that this man i didn't know him he was just a a very kind not money grabbing landlord um and like i think he's responsible as much as anyone for me doing comedy is to have the chance to live because i'm not not from uh like you know everyone's having problems with housing and stuff like that but i was you know i grew up in a place that like uh I wasn't rich, so I didn't really have I ambitions and stuff. Uh, really, I, um, and to have cheap rent and be able to pursue what I wanted to pursue. The, the, ba- the base, yeah, it's so like, vital. Like he's genuinely responsible. Like I want to send him a card and go like, Philip, thank you so much for uh, not charging me exorbitant amounts of rent. Yeah, you know. So like, and the place was really near Wheelands. So I would just walk in and out and do as many gigs as I could because I wasn't really working in radio. And uh, I was getting, I started to get paid for comedy as much as I did for radio. And then I was like, well, I'm a comedian then. 
Well, yeah. Yeah. So that was the Switch made. Yeah. The Switch was kind of made for me. Do you know what I mean? Like I wasn't getting employed enough within radio. I think if radio would have, if if it would have worked for me, uh, I, I would have probably found it harder to call myself a comedian. But I was doing nothing else other than comedy. So and I just did that. But like, yeah, after the first gig, you, you, you did want to continue. So it was like, oh, it was insane. That genuinely, I was just like, whatever this is, this is it. Because I think I was very like, uh, I had no ambition, no direction, nothing in my life. I knew I wanted to leave my village. I did know that, but I did, and not not to be like, I think everyone wants to, you know, leave when they're in their twenties and stuff. But I was just like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I fucked up my leaving cert. There was nothing that I had any passion for. Radio was something I felt I felt passion for because I enjoyed going on and reviewing films. But there was nothing I wanted to do. So with comedy, it kind of gave me definitely direction and stuff I wanted to do. And also there's a lot of rules in comedy when you first started. And I think it depends very much on like who you meet. As It's, it's like you're a baby duck when you first start doing comedy. And like, you know... There were people that I met that I felt were like real high up in comedy, real knew what they're doing, stuff like that. Now you look back and you're like, ah, oh, Jesus, like that, that fella's got a drinking problem. Like, <laughs> you know, like that, that wasn't the. That's, that's, the a, that's a funny game I play when like a lot of comedians are drinking. It's like, who was the superstar when you started? That you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. sometimes now they're just a mate, but sometimes now it's like, who, like I don't even who know who they person? are anymore. Like yeah. it's like, but it's so funny. Yeah, you, you yeah. put them on such a pedestal just because. I guess yeah, you're just you see them doing what you're now aspiring to do. And I didn't realize how young I was doing yeah. comedy, like it's very young at start, the time. Yeah. And yeah, I think I was like the youngest at the time. And then Colin Terrell was younger than me. I remember he started. Uh, but I was I was the youngest, and I was from the country. I was very naive, and I would have a lot of people like coming up to me and giving me advice, which I appreciated. Do you know, like some of them is just bad advice. Well, on that note, if you could yeah. go back to Cavanaugh's in Portleash, yeah, and you're about to go on and do the five minutes, yeah, with all the advice that you were given and all the advice that you've learned, if you if you today could go take two minutes with yourself before you go on stage, yeah, what do you think you'd say? Oh, uh, I would. Do you know? I I don't think I would say to myself anything about that gig because I don't think it mattered what I did at that gig. It was about like establishing a feeling. So I'd never change what I did at that gig because I don't think it particularly matters to have a better gig at that time. I can tell you, I can tell you the, the best two pieces of advice. I was, well, except for Bernard, uh, it was off like David O'Darty where like he gave me a lift. <laughs> oh, this is a story. My first ever gig in uh, international uh, it took me months to get a gig off them um, because it did like it was about nine months or something like that. And I was mad to get a gig with them. So I got the gig and I lived in Westmead at the time and uh, I was about to go on stage and Andrew Maxwell came up the stairs and he's like, uh, I'm doing Vicar Street tomorrow. Do you mind if I go on and sort out a few, it'll only be a few minutes, he said to David O'Darty, who was emceeing. And David O'Darty was like, is that okay? He's going to pop on. And like, you know, uh, and I was like, oh, that's good. I got to, I got to get my last bus though. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. Look, if you miss the last bus, I'll give you a lift. I was like, grand, I'll better. So I uh, <laughs> I missed the last bus because Andrew was sorting out something for uh, Vicar Street. Yeah. And it took a while. Uh, which, of course, 
that's, I'm not saying I'm not even saying it in a passive aggressive way. It's oh, no, like, of course, you know, of course, yeah, yeah. So it's the way it's the way the rules, the rules of comedy. And now, um, so then David and I said, "I'll give you a lift." I was like, "Thanks." And so he's like, "You have to give me directions." Like, yeah, no problem. So <laughs> I gave him directions out to the nature, and I was like, "Keep going, keep going." And he didn't know I lived in Westmead. Oh shit! So it was like half one by the time I got to my house. Because <laughs> I, I lived out the far side of a car. And I thought, I don't know, there's no miscommunication. I thought he knew I lived in Westmead. He didn't know. <laughs> Fantastic. So he was like going through my set and he was like, uh, drop the rape joke. And I was like, do you know what? Yep. <laughs> because when I first started doing comedy as well, and it's the same with the Gary Glitter thing, I used to love Monkey Dust. I used to love South Park. All of those uh, shows that were about horrible things. Like yeah. my favorite type of joke was pedophile jokes or something like that, you know? Um, and I had a very dark sense of humor. So I thought that stand-up comedy would require me to do that. It felt like, it felt like being a baby, actually, and, like, having a crap in your nappy. And then you're like, I could put my hands down there and I could put my hands in that, you know? And just pull out crap out of my nappy. Because you can do that. And that is a really weird analogy. It's, uh, yeah. I'm very hungover. <laughs> what I'm saying is, Sometimes you see a child do something disgusting. Yeah. And in your head, you're like, why is that child doing that? And it's because it's never occurred to the child to do that before. And now it's doing it. And you can tell the child that's disgusting. That's wrong. And here's why. And the child will go, yeah, actually, fair enough. I won't put my hands into my own crap. So have I have I made myself clear or is this a weird analogy? Well, I wonder what David O'Doherty said. He didn't say that. He did not. Say, oh, he said drop the rape joke. He was like, it's not good, and I was like, it doesn't like, suit you, sticks. you know. And um, he said like, you know, it changes your relationship with the crowd. Yeah. And he was so right about that. Like, uh, yeah, uh, that I already regret that analogy. But that well, is look, the analogy I'm sticking with. And and that's the analogy that will uh, will end, end with, it on yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that, that was your your first gig. Thank you. Thank you so much. And yes, that is how we finished our chat. I didn't even say goodbye to her. I didn't say like, I didn't even introduce her on stage later that night. I just she made the comment about crapping in your pants and reaching down, and I just went. That's all we ever have to say again. No, thanks so much, Alison, for being a great guest. <laughs> as weird of an analogy as that was to end on, I think it was a fun reflection on the chat. Hope you enjoyed it. If you had fun, uh, tell Alison at Alison Spittle. Tell her you heard her on the My First Gig with Dwayne Dugan. And tell all your friends. She probably won't listen. She was there. She was in it. She's very familiar with her story, more than most. But if you have any friends who are fans of comedy... Irish comedy you know get them to tune in I uh, it's a long episode kept it a bit heavy with the plugs at the start you know where to go next week's guest right I haven't actually decided who next week's guest is as I said at the top of the podcast it's half two in the morning but that was an hour chat so let's say it's half three in the morning now oh god yeah half three in the morning let me guess who's next week's guest who will we make it somebody fun somebody fun they're all fun too many to choose from but if you've been listening this far then you deserve a treat so in that case i will tell you that the first gig, uh, the f- my first gig guest next week is the amazingly hilariously talented and unique wonderful performers flo and joan 
recorded the chat with Flo and John at the Paddy Power Comedy Festival earlier this summer. They were over doing a couple of shows after selling out their solo show in Wheelands earlier in the year. Uh, they were amazing. They've been uh, doing the podcast rounds. You know, a few weeks ago they did Rahulis with Richard Herring. Last week they did Off Menu with James Acaster and Ed Gamble. But you always save the best to last. So next week, September 21st, my first gig pod with Flo and Joan and Dwayne Dugan. Check it out. Get it early, ad-free, and extended with bonus bonus questions. And hopefully I'll have a bonus episode out maybe that, that, that week as well. Patreon.com forward slash my first gig. Tell your friends. Tell everybody. But you know, most importantly, hope you had fun. Hope you enjoyed it. If you're watching on the YouTube, I can literally see the bags on my eyes. It's very late. i got to go to bed. I'll see you back next week. Do you want classic episodes? They're all up there. James A. Caster, Ard Lohanlon, Catherine Bohart, Laura Lex, Sean Walsh, Jamali Maddox, Todd Barry, many others. Go back, listen to them all in the meantime. I need to sleep. Goodbye. It's the My First Gig Podcast. Whoa. You've been listening to the My First Gig with Dwayne Dugan on Acast. Follow online at My First Gig Pod or at Dwayne Dugan. For classic episodes, ad-free, early access and more, head to myfirstgigpod.com. This is My First Gig with Dwayne Dugan, powered by Acast. Enjoy. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.